Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Ref the District's Day After Reckoning. I'm Nathan. That's the stoner. And we were unable to get four in a row. A week after stoner, a week after Washington, for the first time since 2005, overcame a 10-point deficit in the fourth quarter. They let one get away. 10 points up, about 11 plus minutes to go in the fourth quarter and they lose the game stoner what's going through your mind right now oh did, oh, you, did feel you feel confident you got an echo are we good oh there we go did you feel confident with that 10 point lead or were you nervous i i felt oh. pretty good yeah I, I mean i did too i actually felt really good about that lead until until it wasn't a lead anymore yeah, there's so much we got to talk about here on Day After Reckoning, and so I'm looking forward to talking about the good, the bad, the ugly, all that stuff, but uh, it is a very, very disappointing loss. But, you know, I did one thing today. I went back and I looked at all of the games so far this year, and I decided to say, okay, this was a coulda won or shoulda won or coulda lost, shoulda lost type deal, and you know what I came up with? Four and five. Yeah. They should be four and five because – Jacksonville, they should have lost, but they won, right? But in Tennessee, I thought they should have won, but they lost. Indy, I thought they should have lost, but they won. And then this game, I thought they should have won, but they lost. They are what their record is, right? I might, I might disagree with you on a couple of those, but I don't think it, I don't think it matters. I, I think what matters is we're right still in the thick of it. Yeah. And we're getting healthy, right? Johan Dotson should be coming back. Chase Young is going to come back. Carson mm-hmm. Wentz is going to come back. Oh, and maybe you see some improvement. Maybe. I mean, it's it, it's stuff we'll be talking about yeah. probably more on a Wednesday show. Here on Day After Reckoning, we talk about the game the Washington Commanders played the day before. We do that live at 7.30 on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Of course, you can catch us afterwards on your favorite audio platform as well we appreciate all the support make sure you hit that like button subscribe to the channel as well if you haven't already we appreciate those who are in the chat live with us we got doug we got mike jason is there asking about whether or not uh the newly freshly unemployed frank should be the new offensive coordinator ep in the house as well that I think that one's an interesting as uh, Indianapolis goes through a coaching change, a very interesting coaching change after uh, firing Frank Reich and now going with a uh, center as their head coach. But we're not a Indianapolis Colts uh, podcast. We're not going to break that down. I don't. I, I've not been happy with Scott Turner. I thought that this was going to be his year to kind of show us what he brings to the table and. Instead, we've been getting these consistently bad games. And and some of it you can blame on the players. And some of it you can definitely see comes from the play calling. Mm -hmm. Stoner, where where would you put these offensive struggles, you know, as far as Washington? Because it's now we've seen it through two different QBs. We've seen it through several different offensive line changes mm-hmm. is, is it that is is it the fact that they still haven't been able to put together a solid line or is or scott turner really becoming a problem here in washington uh yeah let me uh, just answer that by saying yes all of those things that you mentioned contribute 
to the issue. If you fire Scott Turner and bring somebody else in, you're not going to all of a sudden be a juggernaut on offense. If you bring in a new quarterback like they have, as you said, this is their second quarterback already, you see it's the same struggles that they have. If you bring in new offensive linemen, you're still going to have the same struggles. If you get guys healthy, you're just going to have the same struggles. I don't know exactly what it is, but something's going on there offensively. I think Scott Turner is an A-plus coordinator in terms of scheming an offense, designing an offense to get guys open and to make things happen. I think he is limited by his offensive line play, and he's limited by his quarterback's ability to get it to those guys. But I will say I think he's a D-minus play caller. Okay, some of the plays that he calls, it blows my mind. And I usually don't get too deep in stuff like that because who am I to say he doesn't know how to call an offense? I I mean, I have no clue what it takes to call an offense. I just look at the results and, but you bring in the fullback Armagh. And we saw this yesterday. He brought in Armagh for a play on a second and eight. And Armagh goes through that line and he pummels. And he did this against green Bay. He pummels the safety to move him out of the way. And B Rob ends up getting six yards. It's now third and two. And what do they do? They take Armagh out and they run some sort of sweep uh, from the shotgun to Gibson and they don't get it. And I'm going as, as a, as a casual observer of offensive play calling like myself, why don't you just run the same effing play that you just ran? That was so successful. Are you afraid that they're going to say, Oh, they might run the same play again. You just got to run the same play. You run it until they prove that they can stop it, right? That's kind of the the game plan that you saw a lot in the 80s and 90s. And that's kind of one of the things you were saying, Stoner, before is the, you know, the NFL is getting back to this, uh, you know, what we saw in the 80s and 90s. And I think that's absolutely right. You're starting to see a lot more fullback play Mm -hmm. around the league. And it's a copycat league. So as soon as one team's successful with it, other teams are going to be. And I think a lot of that comes from the game kind of got, it became really fast. And it also became to the point where people are really, you know, um, you know, you got these, these tall, thin, wide receivers doing the speed game. Well, you know what mm-hmm. means the speed game? The power game, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have, when, you're, when you're lining up five cornerbacks, you know, a, a, you know, you're going to have an Armagh who's, you know, just going to be a truck out there who's mm-hmm. going to make a big difference. So I, I think you're going to see this kind of go back and forth. I would like to see see some more from that. I agree. I think Scott Turner has a lot within his his play designs that are exciting, and you you see how people are open. And, and we as fans get so frustrated when you can take a screen grab from any given game and be like, why – wasn't he throwing it there? The guy is mm-hmm. wide open. And mm-hmm. sometimes we don't know the progressions. We don't know the reads, but at least people are being schemed open. Absolutely. They are even on that Logan Thomas pass, the interception, the backbreaker, the thing that just completely changed the game 
yesterday that Heineke threw. Number one, Logan Thomas was open when he threw that pass, and he just it was it was bad footwork, it was bad mechanics, and he threw off his back foot, and it sailed high. But then you also see there were two other guys wide open as well. How is that Scott Turner's fault? That that part of it is not Scott Turner's fault. I I believe the in-game play calling, there doesn't seem to be any sort of rhythm with his play calling. Those are his his faults. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm not sure if you have it right in front of you, so I'm kind of setting you up a little bit. But how many carries did Curtis Samuel have? One. How many yards did he have? 14, 16. 16? Let me double check on that. 16 yards, yeah. Why does he only have one carry? He has one for 16. And that's it? Why are you not giving him the ball more? Let me ask you another question. How many carries did Armani Rogers have? One. And how many yards did he have? 24. Something to that effect. That's right. Why only one? Why only one carry? Now he's a tight end. I understand, (laughs) but he is a quarterback. One year ago today, he was out playing very athletic. Yeah. Right. And Two weeks ago or last week, whenever it was, when he ran that uh, uh, the Wildcat with him in there as quarterback on a very successful play that he handed off to who? Curtis Samuel, right? Who ended up getting like 12 yards on that particular run. The scheme is there. Why are they not going back to that? Why are they not going to those plays? Why are they not rolling Taylor Heineke out? The difference between Taylor Heineke, or rather should say what, keeps Taylor Heineke in this league are his legs. Okay. It's not his arm. It's not his ability as a passer. It's his legs. Use his legs. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. He can get hurt by taking a snap from center, uh, a la Robert Griffin, the third, who all he did was take a shotgun snap and, and blew out his knee. It can happen. You can't play conservative worrying about your guy getting hurt and not call in plays that make him a difference than what you have on your roster. And that's where I think Scott Turner is failing this team right now. That is something we called for yesterday during the game. You know, we want to see some more rollouts. We're, we had, he yes. had Taylor Heineke had two or three pa- uh, passes batted down at the line mm-hmm. in, in like the first quarter. And it was just like, roll him out. He's, mm-hmm. he's barely six foot if he is six foot. Yeah, get him moving so that way he can see a clean pocket, make it easier for him, and do do some of those things. So again, I I like some of the play designs. The play calls are a little strange. Which one would you put on Scott Turner as his worst call yesterday? There's a couple options I'm going to give you, but you know, pick any one that you might think is bad. He he did the uh, QB draw on a third and nine. Yeah, or I know you're probably going to go for this next one, which was a pass play on fourth and inches. Yes, a hundred percent. I don't understand it. I'll never understand that. I'll never, ever, ever understand it. Just look at that touchdown that Heineke had against Indianapolis at the end of the game on uh, first down, whatever it was at the goal line, a quarterback sneak, and he easily got in there. Just sneak the ball. Just have your, I think they did on one play, and Robinson came running up there like he was going to push Heineke over, but he didn't need to because he had enough to get through. 
it's it's not rocket science when it comes to these fourth down plays. And on that play, he did roll them out uh, on that fourth and one. But that was a horrific call. You, they're trying to outsmart everybody. Don't outsmart people. Just do what has worked. How long has the NFL been around? How long has the forward pass been around? You know, the modern era of, <laughs> Most football. of the 90 years, the Washington's been around. This yeah. So yeah. for 90 years, running the ball on a quarterback sneak, probably on a third and one, fourth and one, I don't have the numbers in front. Of, I bet you it's 70% success rate. Stop out, out thinking it. It has worked for 90 years. Do that. And you'll be successful more often than not. And they just, and, and I don't know, they just, they outthink themselves. They outsmart. They try to be cute. They try to be fancy. They try to uh, stand out from all the other play callers in this league. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Well, one of the things that they did do right was they they were successful moving the ball on the ground. Now, maybe mm-hmm. not so much these two. Yeah. So we have uh, Gibson and uh, Robinson here combining for 80 yards on 24 carries. Not yeah. great, not bad. If that's one uh, running back, you're probably pretty happy with that output. And, you know, it's not a, the greatest, uh, you know, average. Uh, but where I found the disappointment really for me was was involving them in the passing game. This is something I wanted to see more mm-hmm. is getting Gibson out there. This is something we talked about with J.D. McKissick missing the game, yeah. that this is the time for Gibson to be involved more in the passing game. They combined for four catches. That was two catch, catches apiece. Gibson got 11 yards. Robinson was negative six yards. Yeah, because I think he had one of those plays was a, one of those was a big a, loss. Yeah, big, big loss. So the I just don't I I don't get this. You know, like you you talked about they ended up with 137 yards on the ground. Pretty good. A successful day. Yeah. A successful That's day successful. on the ground. 16 of that came from Curtis Samuel, 24 from Amarni Rogers, one run. Taylor Heineke added 17 yards mm-hmm. for himself as well. That's where you get to the 137. Mm-hmm. But the the two running backs here, they're averaging 3.4, 3.3 in the game. What can we do to not just stick with the run and be moderately successful, but much more successful? Because these are two, you know, can be explosive backs. We've seen Robinson hit the hole stronger. He does seem hesitant. There's something so going on there. Back. Nathan, Gibson, Nathan, there's something Gibson's going on there. Great. There, there's something going on there, Nathan. I, I don't know what it is, but he's not, and it could simply be the the injury that he suffered, but he has not looked the same that he did early in the preseason. And I don't know why. I, I don't understand it. He looks like Gibson used to look going through the hole. It's almost like they've reversed. I see Gibson hitting that hole hard now, whereas I see Robinson tapping his feet trying to look for a hole instead of just hitting it like he did at the in the preseason. So I don't know what's going on, but I do like the commitment to the run as you see 24 carries between just those two and you have the couple others there. But I want to see more. I, I want to see more. When it's second and eight, uh, you just had a two-yard run, so you had nothing going there. But you had a second and eight, and you're up 17 to 10 in the fourth quarter, and you call a pass play. Um, and I don't know, again, if the play was supposed to go to Logan Thomas to begin with, 
but you're trying to run clock. You're trying to protect the lead. You got a little bit over aggressive. Just keep running the ball. Just keep running the ball. Keep running that clock. And it's just a it's just a mindset. It's a commitment to that run. That right now nowadays that's what the better teams are doing. That's what when Cincinnati is missing the uh, top five wide receiver in Jamar Chase. What do they do? They just keep feeding Joe Mixon. They just keep feeding him and feeding him and feeding him. And next thing you know, he's got four rushing touchdowns and five total because they said, this is what we need to do. This has to be our identity today. And that's what they did. And that's what successful teams will do. And obviously this team is not doing that right now. Yeah. I'm going to disagree here with Commandalorian's comment a little bit. There's no hole because our O-line is trash. Do you not watch the games? There are no holes to run through. Now, the part I'm going to disagree with is that there's no holes to run through. We do watch the games, and there have been holes. Uh, Gibson's almost broken off a couple, but he trips up at the last moment. Mm -hmm. B-Rob has just made some poor decisions uh, uh, when it comes to those, making the the wrong cut back. Uh, There have been openings. Are there as many openings as we want? No. Have they been getting hit in the background because the offensive line hasn't been the best blocking? Yes. But there's still been some holes for them to hit. And there's something, you know, Mike agrees with you, Stoner. Something's bothering Robinson. He's not attacking the holes like he was in the preseason. And it it just is something there different. I want to see some more production from, from those. And I agree. I think it was Doug who... Uh, brought it up. Uh, sorry, no, it was Gus Bus who brought it up. Why is B Rob even starting over over Gibby? Gibby's been the impactful player we've had during mm-hmm. this win streak. We've seen it a lot, and and we've kind of seen it go back and forth where where Gibson isn't even being involved in the offense until the second half. Yeah, and I feel like that is a mistake. And this kind of goes back on Scott Turner not doing the best when it comes to the in game play calling. He schemes up these great ways to get Gibson into the open field mm-hmm. or mixing up the, the the backs and having some different plays for each of them. And then we don't even see our playmakers for half the time. Really, yeah. it feels like the only reason why we have Terry McLaurin involved as much as we have is because that's just who Taylor Heineke, you know, is trusts and throws it to. Yeah. But you know, we're that's kind of put the lack of Curtis Samuel in there, who is a another playmaker, and, and you know, eventually Jahan Dotson's going to come back. Are we even, even going to see if Taylor Heineke's the QB? Do we even see the Jahan Dotson that we saw with Carson Wentz? Mm-hmm. Are we going to see uh, a person out there just running routes like we have Cam Sims and and the rest of them and Deami so, Brown and yeah, yeah, and guys like that? Man, I hope. I hope when Jahan Dotson does come back and there was some positive progress on that side today, they had, uh, he put out an Instagram uh, story today that uh, he's out there running sprints and everything. So it looks like maybe he's going to be back uh, on Monday night. I hope so. And yeah, but he had a connection with Carson Wentz, as you said, and right now Taylor Haneke is the quarterback. So how is that all going to work? But I do know this, it can't hurt. It can't hurt to have Jahan Dotson out there. That's just another weapon for uh, Heineke or Wentz or Hollow, who's ever going to be the quarterback. But it, it just seems like I don't know if it's a big deal that Robinson is starting instead of Gibson. I mean, if you look at their numbers, what were their rushing uh, attempts? 
13 for carries for B-Rob, 11 for, for Gibson. I'd yeah. have to look at the snap count to see if there was a significant snap count difference. Yeah, um, I have the snap count if you want me to. Yeah, go ahead and bring it up here as we have our first donation of the night. Hey. Thank you, Johnny Man. Scott runs a Saturday afternoon offense. F you, yeah. Johnny Man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's all i have to say uh, that. polly who put that in the the chat earlier f you stoner that's a, <laughs> a gag between the two the um yeah he you know I, at least I'm, i appreciate you polly not going after him so much to say that he runs a fr- friday night offense um but uh he does like to spread it out he does and this is kind of what we were talking about earlier you know he Ooh. he does this thing where um where he just tries to outthink so much. I'll remove the branding there so we can see it more clearly. The uh, So this is the snap counts, and we were talking about Gibson and Robinson. It looks like Gibson at, does at, out-snap Brian Robinson 37 to 28. Yeah. Uh, you know, good for 58% for Gibson and 44% of the snaps for Brian Robinson. So maybe it isn't the difference between um starting as much as it it, it's utilizing that person and i hate that word utilizing as a broadcaster but using gibson in you know in space and finding those ways to get get him involved if he's out there i like the suggestion earlier get them both out on the field i when we run those sets where we have samuel back there with one of our running backs or both Mm running backs out there. I love it. I love that Armani Rogers wildcat type play. It's the just defensive coordinators are like this, man. They're like, which way is going? Who do I got a key on? I mean, right. Yeah. They're shaking in their boots. And and I think it was Sean who's, who said, you know, this team has too many weapons to be concerned with one, right? You can't yeah. double, double uh, McLaurin because then somebody else is going to be open. And this is one That's of those right. things we've seen with the scheme. We can, we've seen them be successful, it's it's not happening and it's not all on the players. Now there there was one particular player that uh had himself a, a bad, bad, bad game. And uh and that was the the QB, Taylor Heineke, mm. just not a great game, 149 yards off of 28 pass attempts, the two touchdowns, uh, one really flukish touchdown. And then a bad interception that you have, you know, in the fourth quarter, you're trying to beat time. The pass was just too high. I understand he's trying to – Logan Thomas was open. I don't hate that decision. Um, Logan Thomas was open. He's throwing it above the linebacker, but he just threw it above Logan Thomas, and you got a horrific throw. In. Yeah, just not a great throw. 30, uh, 30.1 QBR. He got the 17 yards off of four rushes as well. And, and it was a it was a horrific game. I thought all around he was not good. If you if you take away that one play to uh, uh, to Curtis Samuel, how long was that that throw? It was a forty yard forty yard throw. Yeah, so he had hundred and nine yards. Yeah, you know for the rest of the game. And I saw something just before we came on. He had two throws all game, two throws over twenty yards. And one was the interception, and one was that uh, fluke play. And that's it. The rest of the time, everything was just short passes, short passes, and he only completed 15 passes against the 28th-ranked pass defense. 
we actually had, and, and that's a little teaser for later. We had a dollar dollar on him getting over like 250 yards. We're like yeah. that. That was going to be the easy part. The two touchdowns was the part that I was waffling over. I was just like, I don't know about two touchdowns. The yardage should be easy because Minnesota's not a great pass defense, yeah. and Taylor Heineke's capable of throwing for 250 yards. That should be a give me. The two touchdowns, I don't know. He gets the two touchdowns, and he doesn't even sniff 200 yards, let alone the 250. Yeah, yeah. it was It was not, again, it was by far his worst performance of the three uh, starts this year that he's had. So, yeah, that can't continue. But I will say this. We did have a little back and forth, you and I, about – what happens next? Okay. We know this for sure. Mm -hmm. Carson Wentz is eligible to come off the injured list after the Philly game, before the Houston game, right? So one more game that he has to sit for his four games on IR. And you said, and help me if, uh, if I, if I'm putting words in your mouth, I'm not trying. I mean, to. I can just say it right now. You say absolutely it. go to Wentz. You go to Wentz no matter what, no matter what, what regardless said. of the Philly game. That's. I think that's insane. I think that's insane. How is that insane? <laughs> Have you looked at? Uh, so I like Taylor, but not, you're saying, but you're the, saying, not as much as the Hive, but, but you're saying I mean, the, regardless. Yes. What has he done to win? Not not the football games, but win the starting job. Yeah. This is Cooper Rush. Okay, you don't keep starting Cooper Rush because he was four and one while Dak Pres Prescott was injured. And I'm not saying Carson Wentz is Dak Prescott, but I'm saying Taylor Heineke is the backup quarterback. Mm -hmm. He did not win this job. Okay, Ta right. Taylor Heineke he, he he sustained the team while Carson Wentz was out. That is what I was saying. Taylor okay, Heineke but, has not done enough to win the starting job. Okay, if you want to compare Cooper Rush, that situation, they're going back to Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is 10 times the quarterback Carson Wentz is right now, okay, in this, in this year so far when Wentz was out there just being a horrific quarterback himself, right? So you're going back to Dak Prescott. We're going back to Carson Wentz. Now, listen, I'm a Wentz guy. Wentz is better than Taylor Heineke. I believe that to my core, that he is a better overall quarterback. But if he goes out there on Monday night football in front of the entire world and beats an 8-0 Eagles team, okay, to get Washington back to 500, and he goes out and throws for 310 and three touchdowns and no picks, and they win 28-20, you can't go back to Wentz. You absolutely cannot go back to Wentz after that. That's insane to say regardless of what if happens on Monday night. 310 yards, 350 yards, he's still barely making 200 yards average this, this season. Okay, but because it's game to fluke. game at this point. It's a fluke. It's a fluke. I'm, I'm, I'm Scotty here <laughs> with the donation and agreeing with me. And agreeing with <laughs> That's why you like uh, enjoying the stream, guys. I say you play Wentz when he returns. We have to see this thing through. Taylor Heine, he's the backup. Wentz is the starter. Wentz comes okay. back. You're starting Wentz. Taylor Heineke, to take the starting position, you, you actually have to play better. It's not just about the fact that I get that 
that Carson Wentz was two and four and Taylor Heineke would be three and one. That's great. Taylor Heineke did enough to keep us in the playoff hunt. Appreciate it. He has not done enough to show us that he, this offense is better with him or that this, that he is, he is the better quarterback. He has not done that. And that's what I'm trying to say. And normally we keep these conversations for Wednesday because we try to talk about the game before. And this is a game where literally let me bring it back up again here uh, to just to remind you, this is, you're trying to defend this QB after this game. No, 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 you are, you are, no, you're putting words in my mouth. I am not doing that at all. Fictional talk stoner about three touchdowns and 300 yards in Philly. Okay. You're saying regardless. I am saying regardless because you you have three games of evidence where Taylor Heineke has not been the QB that he you're tr- going to put out there and beat Philly with 350 yards and three touchdowns. Here's- he has shown us that he is not that QB. He has not only not shown it this season, he didn't show it last season. Mm-hmm. He didn't show it to the right. tune that they went out and traded two picks and mm-hmm. are paying a guy $28 million to start football games this year. I listen. I I don't. I'm not a Carson Wentz guy either. I don't want to see us lose a second round pick. Which, by the way, I know a lot of you are saying, you know, we can't start him because of the second round pick. Here's the thing: if you're out of the playoff hunt, you can still shelve him. Okay, you still and, don't have to lose that second round pick. And and you're losing a third round pick anyway, yes. even if he doesn't meet that criteria. So it's either a third or a second. So it's not like. You just, it's either nothing or a second. You're still going to lose something. But let me go back. I agree with 99% of what you said, but here's the difference. Here, the locker room loves Taylor Heineke. The fans cannot walk into that locker room and say, we're going back to Carson Wentz if he has a big performance. If he has a typical Taylor Heineke performance, Understood. You go back to Carson Wentz, and I'm all for it. But you can't do it if he does that okay. on a Monday but, night in front of the whole world. There, here's what happens, Stoner. Okay, he throws for 350. He's get those three touchdowns. This is what's going to happen. Carson Wentz is not going to be activated off of IR that okay. That right, right. might happen. Okay. That's right. Maybe that's what they do. They let it play out one more week, and then we, say see, not Taylor, quite we see Taylor either. Heineke, you know, throw for 175 yards, and we're like, "You're right. Let's go ahead and get Carson Wentz back." So maybe they don't go to him right away, but you're absolutely going back to Carson Wentz when you can this season. Want to give right. a shout out to our friends over at the Command This Podcast <laughs> with the 4.99 donation here. What up, everybody? Third and nine QB draw was poopy. And the good playing call, the the and the the good play calling is good, but the bad is really bad. Ron's comments about Taylor said a lot. FedEx was lit. It was. I mean, you could hear the crowd. There was a lot of excitement there. It was the blackout game. You know what they were chanting? Just I'm just asking. What do you think they were chanting? Chanting Heineke. Okay, I'm just saying. The team used Heineke for ticket sales and and Gunny appreciate. (laughs) Polly with a $5 donation. Thank you, Polly. Uh, What did Wentz do to keep the job? Uh, It was his job and his way to the bench. Listen, I get that Carson Wentz is not the answer, okay? Yeah. I get that that's not 
you know, and you're going to go ahead and say this, we know uh, how the win story ends. I'm sorry. We know how the Taylor Heineke story ends. Yes, that's correct it's, as well. It's not, not the answer. Uh, it's also not the time to put in how. All right. You know, that time might come later this season, depending on how the season unfolds. But right now, you know, it's Taylor Heineke's team until Carson Wentz comes back. And then it's Carson Wentz's team until he's either injured or we're trying to protect that pick because we're no longer in the playoff race. And at which point you probably don't even go with Taylor Heineke. You probably go with Sam Howell. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Look, we all know that the there is nobody on this roster right now including Jake Fromm, who I do believe is still on this roster uh, until Carson comes back. There's nobody on this roster who we're all looking to to be the savior. And guess what? Josh Allen's not walking through that door either. Okay? None of these guys are the answer, and we don't even know if we're going to have the answer next year, whether it's through draft, trade, or free agency. But game to game, coming up against Philadelphia – Taylor Heineke gives you the best chance. And then after that game, you're going to evaluate who's going to give you the best chance that next game. I don't think there is a whole thing laid out to where uh, this particular guy, i.e. Carson Wentz, is going to come back as soon as he is healthy enough to come back. I just don't don't believe that. And, And I know you totally believe that, but I don't believe that. As long as Taylor Heineke is playing well and is leading this team to wins, they're going to stick with him. And if he has that big game on Monday, on Monday night, and he has a huge game and he goes out and he plays well, and we're going to give the whole um, his Carson Wentz's fingers not quite healed yet, so let's give it one more game. And then Heineke goes out and plays really well against Houston, right, is the next game after that. He's going to be the quarterback the next week against Atlanta. And then against now, Atlanta. Now, now you're changing the tune here. Now you're saying that he's, he's he plays well in Philadelphia. He plays right. well in Houston. He right. plays well in, in, in Atlanta. Because it's week now, to week. And now, but now, you're, now you've put together three strong games. Now right. he actually can take the job away from Carson Wentz because he's proven that. Okay? But and if he keeps putting up, I mean, and again, you're looking at – these games from, you know, if you're looking at them from week to week, all mm-hmm. right, Taylor Heineke's uh, games, he's 149 yards, 279 yards, 201 yards. His right. completion percentage uh, against Indianapolis was his best at 74.2. This one was this last week here against Minnesota, 53.6. His average is has not been great, 5.3, 9.0, five touchdowns, three interceptions, and and so what I'm trying to say is he hasn't done enough just yet right. to take over a six by the way six point eight average is what we got for his uh, current overall. He, he's not done enough, but you're right. If he does well in Philly, if he does well in Houston, because the team's being cautious with Wentz, and he's and he does well against Atlanta, and and we see these numbers rise, then absolutely. Sure, well, that's all I'm saying. That conversation. But you're trying to tell me that he just plays well in Philadelphia. They got to stick with him. I don't think that's the case. Yes, they, they will. Have to. And, it, and, and like you said, if that happens, they will just say that Carson is not yet ready. Okay, that he still needs another week to get healthy. And then if he plays well again, then you continue to stick with him. But 
Philadelphia is not that after the Philadelphia game is not a guarantee that they're going back to wins, regardless of how he plays. I'm not saying somebody uh, put it up here, uh, Dominic here. I'm not saying he's going to play well against Philadelphia. I don't think he has it in him. I'm not a, a Heineke Hiver. I don't believe in him as a quarterback. I'm just saying if he does, if somehow he comes out on national TV against an undefeated Eagles team that everybody loves, if he does that and he wins and has a big game, he's going to be the quarterback the following week. It's going to be week to week to week to week. And well, and he could have he could have a horrific game against Philadelphia and went still might not be ready. Right? Injury wise, that could yeah, happen as well. Possible. I'll put a dollar on it right now. No, I don't want to do that because I'm going to lose that dollar. Yeah, let's let's wait off with the dollar. Bosky with the <laughs> no, no, donation up, here. Appreciate that. For the dollar ninety nine, we have this combo every year. Who's the we QB do. sad? It's and we're gonna keep keep having it until we can find that QB. Doesn't seem like that person's on the roster right now. Certainly wasn't Taylor Heineke here against the Vikings. It was a, yeah. a, it was rough. Uh, Commandalorian, his season standing uh, QBR is 42.9, by the way. Taylor Heineke's QBR is uh, 42.9. And, Sean, I, I can clearly see you're not a Carson Wentz guy. Yeah, Wentz last four games, uh, 10, 8, 17, 12 points. He's awful. And, and yeah, you're right, but he's also the only one who's actually put points on the board because we haven't seen that from Taylor Heineke. Neither What's Heineke, 17, 23, and what? And 17. 17, 23, and 17. It's better than than uh Wentz's last three games. Sure. But I'm just I'm, just, I'm, I'm not defending Heineke. I'm Carson, just Carson, facts out there. Carson Wentz has put up more points. Granted, those are the first couple of weeks, and we haven't seen that offense since on Carson average, Wentz. I don't think he has. I, on average, I don't think that I think the team was below 17. And with Heineke, they're at 57 yeah. through three games, which is what 19 a game. So, oh man, now I'll do it in my head. I'm a math that. whiz. You're math whiz. Okay, yeah. here's the public math Carson Wentz scored 28. All right, 27. Oh, really? They had 28 and 27 in the first yes. two games. All right, yes. that's 55. Eight. All right, 63. 10. 73. 17. Uh, that's 90. And 12. Uh, 102. How many games? Over six games. Six games. 102 is 6. 1 is 42. 16 points a game. Oh, 17. Sorry. Exactly 17. Heineke's at 19. So yeah, Heineke's at, at 19 with 23, 17, and 17. Yeah, it's 57. Divided by 3 is 19, right? So he's getting 19. Look. We're talking about poopy and poopier. Okay. <laughs> We're not talking about uh, a huge difference here. They're both bad uh, at quarterback, but I'm just saying that Heineke has not been worse than Wentz in terms of average points per game because he had a really bad stretch there. Those first two games were great. We thought, okay, we've got our quarterback, and then it just went all downhill from there. But we, I think we're both in agreement, and – there might be one or two folks in here. We're both in agreement that Sam Howell is not the answer. 
Yeah, there, there's a few, a few. I think like Metaphor and uh, maybe P4. There's a couple on there from our usuals that are definitely on the Sam Howe uh, <laughs> uh, train. It's not that time. the 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 team right now is is four and five. They're right in the thick of it. Okay, absolutely, they this, are. This is this is not the season has not gotten away from us. We felt that it did. When the and this is what they do to us every year. We yeah. know this. This is no, no different, uh, right? When they had that that winning streak last year and they got themselves into uh, into the mix, uh, only to fall up short. But they're four and five right now. Okay, they are currently one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams ahead of them uh, in the standings. And how many playoff spots are there? And there's seven playoff spots right so they're right there right in the thick of it they're right in the thick into the thick of it into the thick of it yes san francisco tampa bay buccaneers atlanta falcons all with four victories right there with who are they again san francisco tampa bay and the atlanta falcons and you play two of them later on in the season you play san fran and you play atlanta so you have your destiny Pretty much, pretty much in your own hands. Look, they're going to be six and six when they do the Giants back to back. Okay. I believe they'll be six and six. They're going to win two of their next three. Okay. So that puts them at six and six. And I'm telling you right now, you can, you can cut this up. Like I like to like to say, if you want to cut this up, the Giants are frauds. Okay. The Giants are the Tennessee Titans of the NFC. They've got a great running back, and they have a horrific quarterback who's going to come back down to earth. You stop Saquon Barkley, and you're going to stop the New York Giants. So that's coming up, and we'll talk more about that. But you can at least, at worst, split with them. And you're at 7-7 seven and seven with three games left, and you're going to be right in the middle of it. You're not going to be sitting here talking about Sam Howell should be getting some reps to see if he's the guy. Not yet. If you're... If you're five and nine, that's a totally different story. We can start talking about Sam Howell then. Sure. Now, one of the reasons that we're talking about the QB again is because they went out, they got Carson Wentz. He hasn't worked in the five, six weeks that he's been with the team. Yeah. Uh, but this is why they went out and got somebody like Carson Wentz. They this front office really felt like the defense was ready. You know, they thought that this team, you just have to put in a QB and this team is good. You have good offensive skill positions. Your offensive line was ranked well last year. Your defense has guys like this man, Deron Payne mm-hmm. and Jonathan Allen here, just absolutely wreaking havoc. Mm-hmm. Deron Payne with the sack, two QB hits, four tackles for a loss, just finding himself a big payday coming up for him. Jonathan Allen deserves to be an all pro. He will be Earth team all pro. He will be. And, and this defense continues to do what it needs to do. Now there was a couple bad plays there that, that put him in bad positions. But when your team, when your defense only allows 20 points, yeah, you, they should, you should be winning games. You absolutely need to be winning games in that regard, and that just hasn't been translating. What do you say about Deron uh, Payne's play and then and then work on the defense from there? What do you think about that against the Vikings yesterday? Well, I need one of those machines because my arm is getting tired from patting myself on the back so much, but I have been talking about this defense even after 
those first couple of games and saying that they have been playing, they were playing really well. They were just having one or two just kind of, uh, you know, like against Detroit where they would have these weird plays that would happen to them. Uh, but the rest of the game, they were very good. I've seen it from the beginning of how good this defense has been throughout the year, and it only got better once Cam Curl got healthy. And Cam Curl has made a huge difference. Now, I think the last couple of games or two out of the last three games, he's got beaten on those wheel routes for touchdowns, right? When uh, Aaron Jones got him for one, and then mm-hmm. in this game, Dalvin Cook got him for one. But he's right there. He's all over it, and they've had to make perfect plays. This defense has been outstanding. You've had injuries. You haven't had Chase Young. You you lost your backup defensive tackle and Fedarian Mathis, who you drafted in the second round. Cole Holcomb has missed the last two games. David Mayo missed this last game. Like I said, you didn't have Cam Curl for the first two games, and they have been fantastic. And I think you called that you called it a playoff level defense, and they absolutely have been that. And Deron Payne is playing like he wants a big contract, and he's going to get one. I don't know if it's going to be from here. Uh, I hope it is in Washington. And John Allen already got that contract. And let's be honest, Jonathan Allen is underpaid. And he's got a monster contract. He is underpaid because he is dominating, dominating these offensive line uh, linemen in front of him. And he's, say he's sooner, you love the word. He's pummeling them. Right, he's you love the pummeling words. Yeah, I mean, Kirk Cousins is going to feel the hits that Allen and Payne put on him for weeks because they were crushing Kirk Cousins. And when you pressure him, he makes you know bad plays. They just didn't quite get enough of those, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. But yeah, they've been awesome. I would be concerned about looking at their um, the number of plays that they're playing. Yeah, uh, if sure I'm looking at. 60, 94% of the plays, Payne, both of them played 94% of the plays, 62 snaps apiece. That's a little much. That might come back to get them later on in the year or, you know, it might lead to some sort of injuries or whatever. But you don't want to take them out. You never want to see them out of the game because they are playing so well. And Payne was a beast yesterday. I mean, even Sweat is playing really yeah, well. That's, that's the thing is Montez Sweat, you know, he's not showing up a lot in the the scoreboard. He only finished with one tackle. Uh, oh, really? Yep, no tackles for a loss, no wow. sacks. That's His tackle surprising. wasn't even a solo. Uh, he did get one pass defense, and he had, but he had three QB hits. I'm fairly certain, you know, PFF has him ranked within the top 10 as a defensive end for and the year pressures for the year okay. and pressures. He is just getting pressures this year at a high rate. And, and he, so he's not showing up in the box score, but he absolutely has been productive for this team. That makes me think that if we get a healthy chase young back, you know, I realize he's still probably not going to be a hundred percent, but we, we, we will have at least somebody not named, you know, William Bradley King or, you know, Casey Tuhill on the other side mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, you're going to be able to, you know, force the, it away from, from sweat. I think we're going to start seeing sweat in the, uh, in the box score, but he's mm-hmm. already, he's already doing what he needs to do. He's probably going to get a, like a Preston Smith kind of paycheck. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, maybe not here, but this defense is, is 
to me, solid from, I know there's still some questions about the cornerbacks, but St. Juice, I think is, is a very solid uh, NFL level uh, cornerback. I think think more than solid. Gotta lock him up. I think he's more than, he held his own against what you called before the game. You called the best receiver in the game. And I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, we can uh, quibble about his stats or whatever, but he's absolutely a top three receiver at, at worst. He locked him up pretty much. I mean, he got 115 yards and a touchdown, but I mean, it's Justin Jefferson, and I thought it, he played Justin, really well. That's on 13 targets, by the way, seven receptions. So it, it means nearly half the time Justin Jefferson was targeted, it did not uh, get completed. Mm-hmm. And and not only that, one of those, St. Juice got in the way, bumps it up. Danny Johnson gets his first NFL interception off mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, St. Juice, I feel solid. I think Kendall Fuller is going to be phased out. He gone. And, uh, and, and you're going to uh, probably take either a first-round cor- – uh, if you don't take a first-round first QB, you're going to take a, a first-round cornerback. Yeah. Um, and you're going to look to fill that hole, but I think Fuller's Fuller is still an acceptable NFL level cornerback. Uh, Wild Goose is not great, but I feel like he, you know, there were some concerns, you know, going into this game. Stoner, how well, did you feel Wild Goose kind of played? Well, he didn't. That's the thing. He absolutely didn't play. I, I'll look at his numbers, but I don't believe he played one defensive snap. Danny Johnson took all Danny his snaps and took it over. We talked all about how we thought it was a bad matchup between Wild Goose and probably Jefferson the whole day, right? And, and that's that's the kind of thing that we talk about looking into these games ahead of time. And then JDR, uh, Jack Del Rio, schemes it up so that his best corner, St. Juiced, is on Jefferson most of the day. And Wild Goose doesn't even play. And it's all about Danny Johnson. That's that's the kind of thing that I try to convey that at, we as fans, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know what's going on at practice. And they were so upset. Not upset. What's the right word? They just were so dissatisfied with Wild Goose's play the week before. And we all thought he was going to be starting. And he didn't even play. Because and they brought in a guy off the practice squad who who made all the who took all the uh, uh, the numbers. Let's see. Um, looking for Danny Johnson played seventy six percent of the snaps. Wow! Right and now Danny Johnson was has a, familiarity with this defense. And and Doug here asks why does it take half the season to get this defense playing at this level? Here's the thing: it's not taking half. Right yeah. after after the first two games. You know, they only give up 24 points to the Eagles, but that was an offense that's just been killing people, just Mm -hmm. absolutely killing people. 25 points to Cooper Rush, that wasn't great. Uh, 21 points to the Titans, 7 points to the Bears. So the Bears these last few weeks have looked uh, much, much better. better, Uh, 21 uh, points to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And granted, they haven't looked good. They just lost to Detroit, but they're still Aaron Rodgers. Uh, 16 points to the Colts and 20 points to again a, a good offense with Very the Vikings. Yeah. And and so is, I don't think it's taken half the season. That's how many wild Go- how many defensive snaps Wild Goose had. He had zero. So da- so JDR schemed it up. And here we are talking all about uh like that, like metaphor had the pick six prediction, didn't even play. And we had no idea. 
We had no idea going into that game. The stuff that goes on during the week behind the scenes that we have no idea about that comes out during game day, it, it's it's mind-boggling. It's like the Sam Howell thing, kind of going back to the quarterback deal. We have no idea what he's doing in practice and in the meeting rooms. So we can't be sitting here saying, well, let's just give him a shot. He's not ready. If he was ready, we'd hear about it. He's not ready. But anyway. uh, Allison in here, the enemy – uh, Philadelphia Eagle fan, we appreciate her, her <laughs> jumping in here. Uh, what about Fuller at free safety? Do you like McCain? McCain's been playing well, I think, at, at free mm-hmm. safety. Not great. Um, he's certainly not you know part of our tandem of safeties that's in the top five of PFF. Uh, but he 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 made a couple of good plays yesterday. There was that uh, screen play that he defended to perfection, mm-hmm. and, and largely you just want to be calling his name is the thing, right? You don't want to hear from him. And I feel like in that regard, he's he's done pretty well. I don't know about moving him over. Bobby McCain, by the way, eight uh, tackles, six solo, one tackle. Wow. He had six solo tackles. Yeah. I remember it was just a couple games ago, he had, I believe he had zero tackles the entire game. I mean, you don't want your free safety, uh, you know, making too many tackles. But if they're up there by the line of scrimmage, then absolutely. But I, I think in the same way that, that we – we all as fans and as number crunchers uh, that Allison is asking about moving Fuller to free safety. Well, they talked about it during the off season. Kendall Fuller does not want to move to free safety. It's the same thing with Landon Collins last year, not wanting to move to Buffalo nickel slash linebacker. Now, eventually he did and, and it helped his game a little bit, but if they don't want to do it and if they don't have buy-in, it's very difficult to move them to these positions. And maybe they do it in the offseason. Maybe he's going to see kind of the uh, the writing on the wall that his career is going to come to an end as a corner, and he needs to if he wants to keep playing, and maybe he will. But that was the thing in the offseason, and he made it very clear. I do not want to play. I'm a cornerback. I do not want to play safety. So we'll just have to see how that kind of plays out. Which I think ever since William Jackson III has been benched, you've been seeing better play from Fuller. So there's some, I, there's that's just another one of those things. It's just kind of weird how that how that works out. Yeah, I'm not saying it was William Jackson Third's you know thing, <laughs> but I mean, it was guys like Jamin Davis who had a wonderful game as well mm-hmm. yesterday. Five tackles, four of those were solo. He had a tackle for a loss, a pass defended. He yeah. is flying around the field. Yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, absolutely acquitting himself from the criticism after the first couple of games. You know, this is, you know, as C Truth says, commander's defense is stout. The front is ferocious. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're missing Cole Holcomb. We're missing David Mayo. But you had Bostic out there who, who was still a step late. I mean, the guy's like 50. But uh, <laughs> but he, there was a couple times where Bostic was making plays himself. So, I think that this defense is playing well enough for this team to win games. They certainly played well enough yesterday. They were put in a bad position with that, you know, with that, uh, that interception by Heineke. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, you know, there was the question up there uh, earlier with the St. Juice thing. Was that a pick six or was that pass interference? It was obviously I mean, called defensive pass interference. Yeah. It was. I mean, that's. I mean, we tried to explain it away. That was pass interference. I mean, or holding, whatever you want to call it. He definitely impeded Jefferson from coming back to the ball. He stopped him by grabbing onto him. 
it was an obvious call. Some people were adamant that it wasn't, but you know, I mean, even during the game, we called it, but, but we were, you know, we were like, let's just play football, you know, let him play. But that's a, that's a Homer take on sure. that situation. We just wanted it to be a pick six. That would have been ball game, but it was definitely. I, 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 I think that it could have gone either way right up until he did the, like the shoulder pad grab. Yeah. You yeah. know, up until that point, I feel like, you know, that could have been a, you know, just let them play football. Yeah. Uh, but then he did that one and it very clearly, you know, made him. So it was, it was, it was, uh, and Doug here on, on the other side, Jefferson grabbed him to get back into position. That doesn't make it okay that St. Juice grabbed him though. Yeah. P P four. That was a BS call. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear I, you. I, I want to see it go our way, but I, I, I'm not surprised it went against Washington on that but, one. But defensively, you had the first drive where they just went right down the field, which is what Minnesota did, does. They, they do that on their first couple of drives. They, they like to move down the field. So you had that, and the rest of the game, you basically held them to two field goals yeah. until that last touchdown, which you gave them that that well, short field. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, 20, 22 yard line, something like that. And it was less than that. It's like it was the 12 yard line, I yeah. think. Yeah. So, I mean, defensively, you held Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, TJ Hawkinson. You basically held them. I mean, you held them to 20 points, but seven of them were free. So you did a great job defensively. And, and it's it's really good to see especially with all the heat that JDR was getting after the first couple of games. D- Doug, uh, Doug still on that, that pick six there. That's why it should be a no call though. I think, and and then P four with uh, that's, not, that's not getting called with, uh, with Trayvon Diggs. It would have let him get that pick six. I honestly think maybe if it wasn't a pick six that maybe they don't throw it. But I mean, if you look at it, the they threw it right court, away. The flags were flying right away. Yeah. We were even calling it uh, on the, on the live stream. We were even as soon as he picked it, we were saying, "Oh, there's a flag. That's bad. that's not even going to count." The uh, by, by the we, way, real, oh. real quick before yeah. we move move on to like go goes and no goes, the uh, I, I want to point out here your theory came true. You remember the, this conspiracy theory? I don't have the cons- conspiracy theory mm. loaded up on there. I have some good ones, so I'm not sure which one you're speaking so, of. You mentioned just a moment ago, Minnesota first first drive of the game just moved right down the field yeah. and scored a touchdown. You said that when teams do that, they just kind of stall out for uh, for the rest of the game, and that's kind of what happened. Minnesota they made one good drive and then nothing for for pretty much the rest of the game. Yeah, uh, lot lots of you know you know we got Commandalorian coming back to the offensive side of the house here real quick on the uh, the three and outs how many three and outs do you think washington had yesterday uh, how many prize ads they had 1 2 3 4 5 they 12 didn't they 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 drives how many of yeah. them were three and outs i don't i don't know if there was that many i'm just going to say 3 Okay, not including the end of half, which was just the kneel. Okay. Right? And not including the end of game, which was one play. Oh, okay. All so right. it was, it st- so it was only 10? 10, 10. 10. So not including um, those two. How many of those were three announced? I'll still say three. One. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. 
and that was the that was the three and out in between the touchdown from Minnesota and then their field goal to win the game. And by the way, go back to the tape <laughs> again of the live stream. I told Trev before that drive, I said, Trev, this is the drive of the season. If Washington scores, they're going to the playoffs. If they don't score, they won't make the playoffs on that one drive, and they went three and out and ended up losing the game. But I just, you know, that was a critical drive, and that's the only time they went three and out. That's 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 terrible. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, just bad timing, just like that interception, just yeah. – kind of turning turning the game it was uh before that it was the before the interception it was the uh um the pick six being overturned right yep. so it was kind of like the momentum started going minnesota's way and it's like this game slipped away from and us. that in that pass to jefferson uh that long pass when cousins absolutely got pummeled uh i think that one was pain and he had to come out for a play, but that was in that same drive that he threw that long, beautiful, perfect pass. And man, they that they were that close to again causing a turnover, but Cousins stood in there and threw it. Uh, we didn't show this earlier. This was a, um, a super chat. I don't think. I think oh. we missed this one earlier. Thank you, Bosky, on the dollar ninety nine donation. You're right. We did miss that one. We apologize. Explain Scott's extension based off of what? And I think this goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, Stoner. I think it's based off the fact that his schemes do their job. Okay. The scheming gets people open, and you can see that on the tape. And then you get to blame the bad QB yeah. play and be like, well, if they just, you know, did the play that I drew up, you'd see that these yards would be there. So you give that extension in hopes that a better QB gets mm-hmm. gets those uh the ball to where it needs to be. And I I researched uh that extension a, a little while back is a non-guaranteed extension. So if they if they let him go, fire him, whatever you want to call it, um then it won't cost them anything. Not that it that it matters because it's not a, a cap uh sort of deal. But sure. they did it to to line up everybody's contracts. Mm-hmm. Ron's contract, Scott's contract, JDR's contract to go to that extra year. And, and that's really all it was. Give him a little vote of confidence. You're our guy. All that stuff you said also about uh, uh, they knew that his schemes are are good. They just needed a quarterback to execute them. Now the uh, what is it going? What's it going after me for? Because it's all your fault, Stoner. You haven't been looking at the chat. It's it's all your fault here. Well, um, I mean, I didn't I didn't throw the I didn't do the three and out. You you did not uh, do the three and out, but you did do some different things. Ron Ron's money I think is guaranteed, but yeah, Scott's is not. Scott's is not. Yeah, uh, Scott I think could be gone this season if they don't turn it around and for the rest of the season average at least like 20 points per game. You can't yeah. you can't keep averaging 17 points, 19 points a game. Uh speaking of that whose fault it was. Yeah. Uh we're up to 837 votes right here on our community page. We appreciate mm-hmm. everyone jumping in on that one. After blowing a 17 to 7 lead, who gets the blame for the fourth quarter collapse against the Vikings? 
It is only 15% going with the rookie, John Ridgeway, mm-hmm. which I agree. We haven't even talked about that yet. Yeah, we, we haven't talked about it. We'll talk about it here. In, uh, actually, <laughs> let's talk about it. No, let's finish the poll, and then we'll talk about John Ridgeway real quick. Yeah. 17% is going to go to Ron Rivera. Uh, head coach, you know, probably should get some of the blame. And there was definitely some poor time management. We've been seeing this over and over and over again. I do want to talk about that because I'm not sure I understand it, but okay, go ahead. Yeah, he can't, he just, you should have timeouts available to you. There's some bad challenges. Uh, Scott Turner, we've, we've talked about relentlessly just not getting some of these play calls, uh, for 24%, but it's 44%. For the Hives, Heineke, Taylor okay. Heineke being blamed quite a bit here uh, in that. And uh, K. Rue 25 says, only if Heineke had an arm, we wouldn't be in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But on the, uh, on the uh, what you call it, on the, the last drive uh, for Minnesota when they were trying to stop the clock and all that, and and I saw a lot of complaints about not using the timeout before the two-minute warning. And I'm not sure I understood that because they only had the one timeout because they had to take one because they didn't get a play in on time or something like that. And then they had the the challenge that uh, was unsuccessful, so they lost that timeout. I get that part, which, by the way, I was okay with the challenge on this one. A lot of the challenges I'm not okay with, but this one I was okay with. Uh, but I don't understand how the clock would have been any different if you had used the timeout before the two-minute warning as opposed to after the two-minute warning, which is what they did. So you use it before the two-minute warning because it effectively makes that two-minute warning your called timeout rather than their called timeout. So they got to run the clock to the two-minute warning themselves mm-hmm rather than forcing the double play. So that's okay, where but that would have happened it, anyway. It, 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 no, but it saves you it saves you seconds. It, it and that's why you call if you need to call timeouts, you're supposed to call them before the two minute warning because it will save you time in the back end. Okay, but okay, hear me out. Just let's just kind of work this out if we can because it's kind of bothered me a little bit today. So let's just say there's three minutes left, which is about how much time was left they ran a play and then let the clock go all the way down to the two minute warning Mm -hmm. okay then they ran their third down play and they would have called the timeout but minnesota threw a pass that was incomplete so they didn't have to use a timeout okay but if they had used the timeout before the two minute warning that would have been third down. They would have ran a play and run it all the way down to the two-minute warning. Or it would have been fourth down. You would have saved yourself f- four seconds maybe. But I saw some people saying that that they wasted over a minute. And I, so, I just don't I don't get it. I don't so, understand. So here, here's, here's the play calling here that that's in question it it's a first and six at the washington six mm-hmm. 235 left to go in the fourth cousins pass incomplete short middle okay, okay. only took four seconds 231 fourth quarter second and goal washington six dalvin cook left end to washington four for two yards that's the two minute warning okay that took 31 seconds off the clock okay you take the time out there 
All right. Then their third and fourth play, cousin pass incomplete short right happens before the two-minute warning. They then kick the field goal. That gives you a full two minutes to to drive. Now, you don't have timeouts um, because you, you spent the time out there. Mm-hmm. But instead, what happened was the third and four go, you, you let them take the 31 seconds off the clock to the two-minute warning. Cousins, incomplete pass, so you, you're back at uh, the two minutes. Um, you, you get eight down to eight. You get eight seconds off with a field goal attempt. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where the John Ridgeway thing comes into play because it gives them a whole fresh set of downs, and this is where Washington is forced to take the timeout with 148 left. Right. But at that point, the Minnesota is, is, is in control now. Because they have the fresh set of downs. If you don't give them that fresh set of downs, you take the timeout before the two-minute warning. The two-minute warning stops the clock again. Or actually, in this regards, if we don't, if we if we let them get the field goal without the penalty, right? Two thirty-one. Yeah. Cook gets tackled for two yards. You take a timeout. You probably will save what five, six seconds. How much time do you want to take off for for that run? Six seconds. We'll take six seconds off. So that's two twenty-five now. The mm-hmm. the time has stopped. Kirk Cousins passes incomplete. Okay, here's where but I have a now problem. They might actually run the ball because right. now they just get it to the two minute warning. That's but now what I'm saying. Two minute warning. They kick the they kick the extra, the or the field goal. You have nearly a full two minutes for your offense to drive down the field to get a a, a field goal to tie it or a touchdown. That's why are the poor time management. Okay, hold, hold on. This constantly from Ron Rivera at the ends of halves, he just isn't doing what Wait, he needs you're, to do. You're, you, you you're 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 killing him but you're kind of glossing over a, a point here okay so let's say instead of throwing the pass they run the ball because they know it's a, it's a little bit different here that they have to run the ball and force washington to use their timeout after the 2 minute warning okay so it hits the 2 minute warning after their third down play right so now on their fourth down play, they kick the field goal. It's a minute 55 Let's because it takes five seconds for a field goal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you kick off. Okay. And, and it goes out of the end zone. So you've got a minute 55. Okay. Without the Ridgeway play we're, we're talking about here, right? How much time was left when they kicked the field goal originally when they called the Ridgeway penalty? A minute 48? 152. 152. We're talking about two or three seconds is what yeah, I'm saying. They, they they called the timeout at 148, but that was after uh a play another play. Right. So so the point is it was 152 as opposed to a possible 155. That's all I'm saying is that it wouldn't have been any, it would have been it's like two or three seconds. So maybe I'm missing something, but what they're saying is that. If he had thrown the pass on third down, then that would have stopped the clock and they wouldn't have had to use their timeout or they've already used their timeout. Sorry. And then they would have still the two minute warning with the ball. So they'd have that built in timeout. But I don't think they throw the pass. That's the whole point. You're probably right. You, you don't run maybe, the ball. Maybe not. Gus Bus here, KOCs made bad play calls. That's He's true too. much to blame. Yeah, there's a lot of those the same things you can say for a KOC. Commander Lorian, I had this up earlier, uh, would have had a timeout if Ron doesn't waste one 
on the fourth and one dumb draw them offsides play, which you know we hate. We mm. absolutely hate that. It, never it doesn't work. Everyone sees it, and then you go like give up. Like, you know, and well, the problem is, is like you get to the line, and then like you give up. You like noticeably like just give up five with five seconds left. You're like, okay, well, we didn't we didn't get them in like the first ten seconds we tried this, so we're just gonna walk off the field now. Um, and then lost a timeout on the challenge. He, he Command Delorean doesn't like the challenge. You said you liked the challenge. Any particular reason why you liked it? Because I thought there was a chance that they could have won that challenge, and I believe it was – I'm not 100% sure. Was it a third down play where Heineke scrambled? It was the scramble where he made that nice spin move on uh, their their linebacker, and it looked like he made the line to gain. So I thought that that would have been an important play because I don't remember what happened after that. I don't remember if they actually – yeah, did they go for it? Did they punt? Did they – The fourth and inches call you hated. Oh, the the rollout that they yes. threw to McLaurin that was incomplete? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that that could have been overturned. It was really close, obviously, but I was okay because it was an important part of the game. It was an important play. So – Counter uh, argument here. Sure. They called it fourth and inches. It was close. You don't know whether or not you're going to get it. Why not just go up and run the QB sneak like you said? Sure. It's fourth and inches. You should be able to get inches. Yes. Yeah. So, I have to see that. Hey, Dubs family, we appreciate you jumping in here with us. It's just like he says. Hit that like button. It's free. It's Thumbs like up. That. Give us. Give, yep. Got it right yeah, there. Yeah, I appreciate that, Dubs Absolutely. family. Absolutely. All right. So, all right. All that makes sense, but let's. I mean, are we going to talk about the Ridgeway play, or are we yeah, going to just save it Ridgeway for the no-goes? Yeah, we'll say we'll, we'll talk about the Ridgeway play. So this is something that they they uh, John Kime had tweeted out. Minnesota noticed he did it in the the point after attempt during yep. the touchdown. Yep, and they went to the refs and said, "Hey, watch that guy." Yep, you know he's been doing this. This is something I feel like if Minnesota noticed it, Washington should have noticed it and said, "Hey." don't do this yeah or are they doing it because they think they can get away with it came back to bite washington in the rear as as that penalty gave that fresh set of downs and minnesota was able to bleed the clock out not giving washington any time uh, you know afterwards to be able to do it washington you know stopped and maybe they should have let them score stoner maybe that's what they should have done is 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 force it to to do their metaphor, you're invisible. You're not invisible metaphor. You're there. there. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was a horrific, uh, I I like to use that word. It was a horrific botch on his his side. And he definitely did it on that extra point. And he did it again on that field goal attempt. And I don't know why he thinks he can get away with that because it's not allowed in college either. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, he's a rookie and he forgot that he can't do that at the pro level. I mean, they teach him, this is what I believe Kime said. They teach him to cross in front like that, but not to hit him when you're crossing in front. And he did that. It was a penalty on both plays. They caught it the second time. And it was at a, obviously a crucial point of the game, which allowed Minnesota, like you said, to run out the clock where they also, um, 
Washington was going to let him score. We all know this. We were saying it right there on the live stream. We were saying, you got to let him score. Just let him walk right in. Minnesota was not trying to score. They were not. They were doing everything. I mean, even on the third down when Cousins got the snap, he just took the snap and and went a little bit left and kneeled down. And they weren't trying to score. They they were smart enough not to uh, to leave Washington any time to, to come back. So, Huge botch, huge, 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 huge botch. I, I, you don't cut him, you know, uh, for yeah, that no, particular play. I saw a lot he, of that. Well, yeah, we actually called him out as a as a quality player, a great pickup yeah. for for Washington, and making people forget about Tim Settle and Matt Ioannidis. Um, but you know, then you have something like that. He is a rookie. He's a fifth rounder. And we were able to pull away from Dallas. I think that he has a spot on this team. Uh, Metaphor did correct us from earlier. It was a second down run. Mm. They had two downs to get the six inches, which is why that was uh, uh, a very bad challenge in in a lot of people's eyes. So we we see you, Metaphor. Yeah, we we, <laughs> we, we see you there. Uh, Doug, he tried to split the blockers Ridgeway, uh, but the risk reward isn't worth it there. Nope. Just let, you, him, let him get it and move on to the offense. Did you see in the Sunday night game, uh, Bobby Wagner for the Rams, he jumped over the center and, and blocked a, a kick, uh, for the, as long as you don't luck. touch, as long as you don't touch the long snapper, long you're you good to go. <laughs> All right, we, we're going to go to go-goes and no-goes yeah. right here after this. want to remind everybody, it is the Ref the District season of giving. That's right. You can donate to the Fisher House, a wonderful organization that provides home stays for family members of military members and veterans who are seeking medical care free of charge. They provide this free of charge, millions of dollars that are being saved from our military families and veteran families. All you have to do is go to the website that's scrolling across the bottom there and donate directly to them. Now, because you're doing something from the good of your heart work, we are trying to reward you for that. And so we have a raffle that's going to go on. That's going to be two sweet tickets and a red zone parking pass to the New York football Giants game that the commanders are going to have in December. You get to hang out in a suite with the ref, the district crew, and that should be a lot of fun there. We also got ourselves Pacer running shoes valued up to 140, right? Mm-hmm. Stoner is what we're That's looking right. at. Pacers running shoes, get the great team over there in Pacers running one of our sponsors, Uh, The shoes that they have are quality, and they can set you up with a pair that gets you back to running just like they got our man Stoner back to running over there in Dundalk. Now, uh, on top of that, we got a signed D'Angelo Hall jersey. You can win that. You can win one of two $100 gift certificates to uh, Guy Ferry's restaurant there in D.C., you know, so we appreciate those donations that have done there. We've crushed our $500 goal. We would love to crush a thousand. The sweet tickets themselves, those are $800 in value. All you have to do is make a small donation. $1 gets you one ticket. $5 is six tickets. $10 is 15 tickets. $25, double it up. You get 50 tickets for that. 
And uh, we'll do the math. If you give us a number in there that's not one of those direct ones, we'll do the math, give you the best options. And sometimes maybe even a little extra if our math is a little wrong there. But uh, when we, is, uh, see, when's the drawing? The drawing is as if the, the drawing is going to be on the 30th of November. So there's still time. Uh, the ticket time uh, count will close the night before on the 29th. But go ahead and get your money in. This All this money goes directly to the Fisher House. We're not pocketing any of this. We just want to see uh, the donations go to the Fisher House. So EP here, we have currently raised 570. Let us get to 1,000. Yeah, buddy. Do that. We would love to crush our goal and uh, get a lot of money over to their Fisher House. E EP, since you're you're watching here, we got the the site here as well in case you can't uh, read it when you're when you're seeing the scroll go across. But um, EP was telling me the other day we're we're like in the top like fifteen I think of the uh, uh, of the people currently donating. Hmm. So yeah, keep, nice. keep keep that up. Let's get to number one. Let's see what we can do there cool. uh, and get to number one. So we appreciate uh, everyone's help in that. Uh, I need to remember to create this graphic just like you guys need to remember whatever it was that you were talking about creating for the sound bar i was listening to you on the way to the the show you guys were gonna do something for the sound bar we'll oh yeah it was yeah. um hit that like button yeah there we go do a little jingle for the like or something like that yeah let's get to those go goes and no goes all right and in the chat here let us know who your go go is Stoner, I'm going to hit you first. Who's your go-go? I mean, it's pretty easy for me. He's probably my go-go every week, but uh, Jonathan Allen is playing like an all-pro, uh, first-team all-pro. Um, he's probably going to be this year if he continues to do what he's doing. He's dominating the offensive line, and with him and Payne together, they are uh, creating havoc. Think about the guys they've pretty much shut down this year, guys like Dalvin Cook, who you just saw, Aaron Jones, Derek Henry, uh, just off the top of my head, I, they didn't really stop uh, DeAndre Swift uh, that one particular game, but they've really shut down some some excellent running backs and uh, uh, the defense has. So he's my go go. He's my go go every week, but he just he plays <laughs> he's, great. He's, he's I mean, yeah, he's a clear one to have. Dalvin Cook, by the way, seventeen carries for forty seven yards, two point. Yeah. Uh, two point eight average. Shut him His, down. Uh, season average is four point six, and he's had six hundred and eight yards. He he was he's ninth in rushing for the NFL, and Washington held him to under fifty. Just mm. absolutely uh, great job there. You're going to go with Jonathan Allen, who, as you know, I love. I love, mm -hmm. but this one goes to Deron Payne for me sure. as my go go. He just had a monster game. It's the reason why I had to create the. The, the graphic for him because it he was just absolutely uh, a monster of a game there. Uh, always, it just always felt like he was in the background or in the backfield and just gobbling things up. Uh, loved, loved, loved to see those big guys play yep. strong up there. Uh, here in the chat, we have uh, uh, metaphor singing, wake me up before you go, go. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I can get to find a free version of that and then play that one. Uh, metaphor is going to go with St. Juice, who did have, mm -hmm. I felt, a pretty good game. We talked yep. about that. Uh, Tress, Jonathan Allen, and Payne. Tress Way continues. This is the way. I don't have the the button brought up for, for that one. But, uh, yeah, Tress Way continues to be doing really well there. 
Um, no other people want to jump in on the go-go's. So we're going to go to the no-go's stoner. Maybe somebody, maybe they'll hop in there with the, the no-go's. But uh, what, what do you got for a no-go there? You kind of said maybe Ridgeway. Yeah. I mean, Ridgeway might be one, but I mean, Heineke was so bad yesterday. He was just so bad. He wasn't efficient. He didn't use his legs enough. Uh, he wasn't throwing the ball downfield. And then, of course, he had that back-breaking interception. He has to be the no-go. Uh, if, if you're not going to do uh, Ridgeway, then, I mean, for sure, Taylor Heineke. Back-breaking interception. But that's yeah, what he I'm does. Gonna, I'm going to put it on Taylor Heineke as well. I'm not going to put it on the the rookie. He needs to do better. Ridgeway does to make not not have that. Maybe well, Washington that, has a chance. Yeah, uh, that caused him to lose that chance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it did, did, and I uh, very understandable. But you're right. Uh, Washington has this game in hand, and maybe you do give it to Scott Turner like Metaphor did. Uh, he gave it kind of Heineke end to to Scott. Because those play calls, right? Why why are we throwing on a second and eight when we're trying to eat up the clock because we have the lead? You know, maybe run the ball again. But that's part of the – then people are going to be saying, you know, when they that goes for no yardage and you're in third and eight, oh, he's predictable. Yeah. Uh, I thought the play call was fine. The throw was horrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought the they should have been running, but there was still a lot of time left. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, 18 regular season games for Taylor Heineke – 25 turnovers. That's yep. who he is. Not, so let's yep, never forget good. that. EP giving it to Mr. Steal Your Girl. Do I have to be worried, EP? Oh, go, go. <laughs> right, right, go, right, go, right. Go, go. With Axe Milne for his uh, first TD. You can give, let's give a go, go shout out also to Danny Johnson for his first interception. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, EP agreeing with us. Taylor Heineke just for a sure. no go this time. Just a horrible, horrible game from him. Let's get to our dollar uh, dollar. Let's pay up real quick. This, okay. this one's going to be brutal because it was really just the two of us, right? Uh, yeah, we had a couple uh, early on uh, before the live stream or as the live stream got started yesterday. We threw in some extras. Uh, but we do have one that may be up for debate. So uh -oh. we'll do that one last. But uh, real quick, the score predictions we had. Stoner had 28-24 for Minnesota. Uh, Trev had 31-16 for Minnesota, and Nathan had 22-18 Washington. You're pretty close with your score, just not the right, right team. Which the only reason why I didn't go Minnesota <laughs> is because you two did. So <laughs> That's right. Couldn't have the clean sweep, right? Couldn't have the clean sweep. All Maybe right. I should have done the clean sweep and Taylor Heineke wouldn't have thrown an interception. I'm the drama, guys. I'm the one who messed it up for us. Um, Stoner and Nathan had... Uh, Heineke at 250 yards and two touchdowns. That did not work out. So Trev earned a dollar on that. Um, I debated Stoner, so long on that, and I was going to go against it. And then I was like, no, nah, no, we'll go ahead and give him two TDs because he's going right. to get the yards and then just backfired. Uh, Stoner and Nathan had Snyder on camera less than one and a half times. And I, I don't think he was on camera at all. Nope. I didn't see him, so Trev lost on that one. He had the over one and a half. Uh, Stoner had Sly for two field goals. He only had the one, so Nathan got a dollar on that. Um, Nathan had Jamin Davis two tackles for losses. He only had one, I believe. So Stoner won a dollar on that one. St Stoner won and I lost? 
Correct. All right. Uh, for for a def- little defense here on the no late no go for metaphor Nathan for leaving the game early. I, I it did hurt to leave the game early, especially because the game that I left for did not go in our favor. Oh, uh, the the Arden uh, my Arden team got walloped ten to one. Oh, uh, yeah, it was a brutal end to our season. Uh, wow. So whatever good luck I had provided before leaving. Uh, I did not bring with me to uh, to the soccer field. Oh, we were down seven nothing when when you left. I don't know what yeah. kind of good luck you were bringing to this team. <laughs> but did you pull the goalie at least? I hope because good lord, that's uh, it wasn't the goalie's fault. It was well, uh, you know there's a lot of factors that went into it. But I, as the coach, I'm going to take responsibility for that loss. <laughs> okay, good. Somebody's got to around here. All right. Um, Stoner had Minnesota would start off 14 nothing. They didn't. They started off 7 nothing. So Nathan won a dollar on that. Going to skip the next one because it's controversial, I think. Do you have the uh, like the team uh, stats up? Yeah, I can bring those up real quick. Okay, you're going to need to bring those up. We'll get back to that, though. Trev and Stoner had Cousins for one interception, which he did. Nathan went against that. Um, Trev said that Washington would go three and out on the first drive, which they did not. So Stoner and Nathan won a dollar on that. Trev loves that bet. <laughs> he does, man. Trev said that Jefferson would have 165 yards receiving. Yeah, I remember that one. I was yeah pumped. Stoner and Nathan both said no. Um, Trev had... Curtis Samuel at six plus carries. Stoner said no. Nathan had Samuel at five plus carries, and Stoner said no. So maybe, Stoner won both of those. On that, yeah, he had one carry. Here's the kind. Uh, he had that one carry really early on, and we're like, just keep doing it, keep <laughs> right. feeding him. Didn't see another carry. Not not a single. Did one. not see a carry. Yeah, you know, sixteen yards. We don't want to try that play again. I mean, only gained sixteen yards. Jeez. All right, here's a controversial one. Let me ask you by looking at team stats. Okay. How many sacks did Washington have? By team sacks. No, team stats. How many sacks did Washington have? All right, looking at it. Make sure you look at it properly. Per ESPN. Yeah. They had three sacks for 23 yards. I got a problem with that. Why do you got a problem with that? You know what that third sack was? What? On Minnesota's last possession when they were trying to run out the clock and Kirk Cousins took the snap and walked around a little bit. And then they just came up to him and touched him as he kneeled down. That's a sack. That's a sack. I got a problem with that. <laughs> and and the books, it's a sack. So what? What's uh, what's that matter? Trevor and Nathan said Washington would have three sacks, and Stoner said no. So, so doesn't do a whole lot to change it. You're still up plus three. Plus three? Uh, I got plus five. Uh, plus, uh, so it'd be plus four then. I got plus five. Well, you you lost that one that we just said. Oh, I already counted that as a. Oh wait, I counted that as a win. Oh my bad. Yeah. So I don't know me, why I counted it as a win. 
Let me work. We'll work it out again. But I think that you're plus you're a plus three or plus four. Trav is at minus one, and I broke even on the day, which is a yeah. little bit better than what I was figuring. You still ended up pretty high on there. I still got to yeah. get those all those uh, stats together so that way we can uh, check it out on the full full thing here. So we'll see. We we did that. He didn't attempt to pass, so that's a running play. That could be true. Um, yeah, was it a sack or a run for a loss in the books? Washington showing that they had the 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 two sacks. I might be if I'm looking at it two wrong. Three. Yeah. They the, so they the team stats show that they have three sacks. Yeah, you just said two, so I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. That that could be true that he didn't attempt to pass. All right. That could be true, but I I thought I saw somewhere the whole game that they had two sacks, and then I looked at stats and it said three, and I was like, oh. He got one for that last one, didn't he? Probably. All right. Well, we're going to be back on Wednesday live at 730 on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter to break down this Eagles game. Time to move Spoiler on. Alert, we're going to win that one. Oh. We're going to win that one. Sean, okay. Sean's going with Philly uh, 34 to 13. You hear, heard it here first. Sean, we'll have to see. We'll debate on that on Wednesday and why Washington can win against the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. We appreciate everyone jumping in there and helping us out. Make sure that you hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and of course, until next time, what? Be a fan. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.